ведомств России и США. Сейчас я приглашаю наших гостей разместиться поудобнее. Здесь есть места. Пожалуйста, проходите. Добрый вечер. Это был длинный день. Мы провели переговоры с государственным сетерем Соединенных Штатов Америки, Рексом Тиллерсоном. И только что состоялось продолжительное Our relations, as well as the international situation as a whole, are not the most calm ones. There are certain issues that have been inherited, so to speak, as time bombs from the previous administration, the Obama administration. We are being realistic, and we do understand that in order to overcome these obstacles, we have to make efforts, and we seek to do that, we understand that our American counterparts are going to move towards us as well, and our president has reaffirmed our will to do that. We see that our attempts at preventing our cooperation, there are even attempts at escalating the confrontation, but we do not believe that this is an astute approach. We do understand that if Moscow and Washington cooperate, this is for the benefit not just of our nation, but also for the sake of the whole world. We have reaffirmed that we both seek to fight without any compromise the international terrorism. This issue has been raised by our presidents in the course of their telephone conversations, including their telephone conversation on April the 4th in the night when President Trump called President Putin in order to express his condolences on the terrorist attack that has taken place in St. Petersburg. In the context of fighting international terrorism, we have talked about Syria, of course. We have touched upon the incident that took place after April the 4th, when elements of Idlib in Syria, chemical weapons were used. We have talked about the ensuing missile attack of the U.S. against the air base on April the 7th. We have stated our position on many occasions. Today, we have said that there needs to be a very thorough investigation into this incident, which has become the subject of many speculations. Russia has spoken in favor of drawing the attention of the OPCW to, to this incident, saying that the OPCW has all the necessary competences and powers to look into this incident. There's been an official letter by the Syrian government to the UN and to the OPCW with a request with, to, to dispatch as soon as possible a group of experts in order to conduct an and frank investigation both as well as at the airport, the airbase that was struck, we have taken note of the American counterparts' willingness to support such an investigation. We do hope that the powers the UN and the OPCW have again to be resorted to as soon as possible. In this context, we believe it's going to be counterproductive to try to adopt a resolution at the UN Security Council, which would be not dedicated to investigating the incident, but more at legitimizing the accusations against Damascus. We do have some arguments, but we're not trying to pose anyone 
on anyone. We want there to be a frank investigation. We have also talked about the state of affairs and the interaction of our air space forces as well as the coalition headed by the US and the context of the memorandum we have on preventing incidents as well as ensuring the safety of air traffic over Syria. as well that the publicly stated position of both Russia and the US and there being no intention to interfere within the domestic affairs of Syria or any other state are still in force and we do hope that Iraq's example as well as that of Libya and other countries is going to be an admonition against trying to recreate the similar attempts anywhere else, engaging in Northern Africa, let me say once again that we are willing to, to achieve an absolute defeat of ISIS as well as all the other terrorists. This is our common objective. It is still in force and we have seen that this has been reaffirmed today as well. Apart from Syria and fighting terrorism in the region, we also have another political challenge, common challenge, that is to seek a political solution to the Syrian crisis. The US and Russia have been at the forefront over the recent years of international efforts at finding solutions, at rallying all of the parties concerned, both parties to the Syrian conflict and external players, bringing them together at the negotiating table under the aegis of the US. Today, we agreed to continue to work bilaterally in order to facilitate this process to push the multilateral process forward. We appreciate that apart from the Geneva process, which we are full-fledged members of together with the American counterparts, we also have the Astana platform. At this platform, the American counterparts are represented as observers. Russia and the US have other opportunities to help the international community settle the conflicts in Libya, Yemen, and last but not least, Try to find common approaches to break the stalemate around the Israeli-Palestinian settlement. I do hope that our ongoing contacts to that end are going to be fruitful. We also have another matter on our agenda, and that is Afghanistan. As you know, over the last two years, there have been different formats resorted to seeking to rally an external support for the Afghan settlement. One of these attempts, one of these avenues we pursue is going to take place on April the 14th in Moscow. A meeting has been scheduled for the so-called Moscow format, which is going to be attended by Afghanistan, its neighbors, including Central Asian Republic, the American counterparts, representatives have also been invited to this meeting. We do hope that they are going to be able to participate in these meetings. We have also touched upon the Ukrainian crisis. We've got a common approach. The Minsk agreements of 2015 are to be observed and respected. We've also recalled how under the previous U.S. administration, a bilateral consultation channel had been fostered between Moscow and Washington to supplement the M4, and we have felt the interest of the current administration in resuming bilateral contact 
искать практические пути реализации Говорили мы о ситуации на Корейском полуострове, которые были приняты на эту тему. И сегодня мы Я думаю, что мы все понимаем, Некоторые люди злоупотребляют это мое ощущение, Not just dialects, but also the common interests of the U.S. and 
common actions to pursue the interests of both countries. We will look forward to the U.S. reciprocating our approach. And I do hope that the many hours that we've spent with Rex Tillerson together, as well as with the President of Russia, have not been spent in vain. We understand each other better after the talks today. We do hope that these contacts will be followed up by us, as well as by our staff and by other government agencies of both the Russian government and the U.S. administration. Thank you. Good evening. We just came from a productive meeting, as you heard Foreign Minister Lavrov uh, mention, of about two hours with President Putin. We frankly discussed the current state of U.S.-Russia relations. I expressed the view that the current state of U.S.-Russia relations is at a low point. There is a low level of trust between our two countries. The world's two foremost nuclear powers cannot have this kind of relationship. We further discussed approaches to improving our channels of communication. We had a lengthy exchange of views regarding the situation in Syria and shared perspectives on possible ways forward. Earlier today, Foreign Minister Lavrov and I had a lengthy conversation about issues that require immediate attention and issues that require longer-term attention. We understand that improvement in the long-term relationship will be required if we are to make progress on issues where we have different views. We spoke extensively about Syria, and in some areas, we share a common view. Specifically, we both believe in a unified and stable Syria, and we agree we want to deny a safe haven for terrorists who want to attack both of our countries. We agree that North Korea has to be denuclearized. We agree there needs to be more senior-level communication between our two countries, both at a diplomatic and military level. <clears throat> but there is a broad range of other issues in which we have differences. Some have global implications with long-term requirements, and others are understood to be bilateral. Over the course of the past two years, a number of reciprocal actions have been taken to demonstrate the dissatisfaction each country has with the other. We need to attempt to put an end to this steady degradation, which is doing nothing to restore the trust between our two countries or to make progress on the issues of the greatest importance to both of us. We've agreed to establish a working group to address smaller issues and make progress towards stabilizing the relationship so that we can then address the more serious problems. Foreign Minister Lavrov and I agreed we would consider further proposals made about the way forward in Syria, including consulting with our allies and coalition members. And we will continue discussions about how to find a solution to the Syrian conflict. We also discussed current threats posed by the North Korea's regime, the regime's ongoing development of their nuclear program, and the constructive role Russia can play in encouraging the regime in North Korea to change its course so that we can create the conditions for talks regarding the future. On Minsk, we consider the importance of the accord. Russia can make progress in implementation by de-escalating violence and taking steps to withdraw separatist armed forces and heavy weapons so that OSCE observers can fulfill their role. Until full progress is made under the Minsk Accords, the situation in Ukraine will remain an obstacle to improvement in relations between the U.S. and Russia. I thank the Foreign Minister for a productive round of discussions, and I look forward to future conversations. Thank you. Colleagues, now we get down to questions. Russia 24, please. 
Здравствуйте, Анна Балдина, телеканал «Россия-24». Вопрос прежде всего господину Тилецину. Мы последние дни слышали из Вашингтона не только противоречивые, но и, скажем так, агрессивные заявления. Я имею в виду заявления господина Трампа, которые на интервью назвал президента животным, и заявления представителя Белого дома господина Спайсера, который сравнивался бы с Гитлером, но допустив оговорку, что Гитлер не применял химического оружия. Скажите, как эти заявления способствуют совету дипломатии, Республика And we're quite confident of that. Uh, this is just the latest in a series of the use of chemical weapons by the Assad regime. And notwithstanding their use in, on more than 50 occasions of chlorine bombs and cluster bombs and other types of weapons that are intended to maim uh, and kill in the most horrific ways. Uh, so I think the characterization is one that President Assad has brought upon himself. I'll have to add a couple of words. It's quite evident this is the topic with regard to which we have differences of opinion. Russia insists that there needs to be an objective investigation in 2013. The U.S. and Russia initiated the elimination of serious chemical weapons and record terms. We had prepared the necessary agreements at the OPCW in The Hague, as well as in the Security Council of the U.N. There have been reports from the OPCW which state the progress that has been achieved in eliminating the full stock of the chemical weapons the Syrian regime had. The report also states that the number of places where the chemical weapons were stored were under the control of extremists. So the process between Damascus and the Hague has been ongoing. There have been some difficulties, and yet we use our relations with the Syrian government to encourage them to cooperate fully with the OPCW. And we are fully committed to finalizing this We're going to seek its completion. As for the investigation into the incidents, there is a fact-finding mission of the OPCW. There is also a joint mechanism for investigations set up together by the OPCW of the United Nations. We've got some questions. We want to be answered by these mechanisms. All the accusations against the Syrian Arab Republic's government of having used the chemical weapons, all these accusations are based on the so-called remote evidence provided by some MPOs. I'm not going to point out the white casks, the helmets that have discredited themselves on many occasions. They have been found to be guilty of fraud. Now, as for all the evidence we've got of chemical weapons have been used in the territory under the control of the opposition, now I can say that on many occasions both the Russian armed forces and the Syrian government have provided physical evidence, including samples required to conduct an investigation to the OPCW. These were not some remote evidence. These were pieces of physical evidence. The study of these material evidence dragging on for quite some time. I'm not trying to level accusations at anyone, nor are we trying to exonerate anyone. We just insist that there should be an investigation into what has happened and what happened on April the 4th. And just as it happened in the past, 
We did discuss at length uh, the future role for Assad, whether it be in a future political process uh, or or not. Uh, clearly, uh, our view is that the reign of the Assad family is coming to an end, and they have again brought this on themselves with their conduct of the war these past few years. Uh, we discussed our view that Russia, as their closest ally in the conflict, perhaps has the best means of helping Assad recognize this reality. We do think it's important that Assad's departure is done in an orderly way, an orderly way, so that certain interests and constituencies that he represents feel they have been represented at the negotiating table for a political solution. How that occurs, we leave that to the process going forward. Uh, we do not think one has to occur before the other can begin, and it will take a pace of its own. But the final outcome, in our view, does not provide for a role for the Assad, for Assad or for the Assad family in the future governance of Syria. We do not think the international community will accept that. We do not think the world will accept that. What about the war crimes charges? We discussed uh, the issue that as time goes by and more and more evidence continues to be gathered, uh, it is possible that the threshold necessary to charge uh, individuals, including Bashar al-Assad, may be achieved. As you know, this is a very high legal hurdle in order to bring such charges against an individual. So I would not suggest to you that 
all of that evidence is in place, but I think the longer time goes by, it's possible that the case will be made, and there are certain individuals who are working to make that case. Uh, I, for one, would like to say that I do not think that Russia the U.S. Um, at so great a distance that it cannot be breached on many issues of the international agenda, both with regard to Syria and Ukraine. It's not impossible. In our introductory remarks with Rex Tillerson, we mentioned the agreements that are related not just to preserving, also to intensifying the communication channels with regard to Syria and Ukraine. As for Syria, and Bashar al-Assad, we have had sort of a historical background. Rex said that he's a new guy and he prefers not looking into history but to deal with the matters of today. But the thing is, the world is built in such a fashion that if we do not take lessons from the past, we will hardly be able to achieve success in the present. And I record certain situations when groups of countries, primarily Western countries, NATO countries, were sort of fixated on eliminating this or that dictator, an authoritarian or totalitarian leader, in order to Slobodan Milosevic, uh, president of ex-Yugoslavia, NATO, launched to war in 1999 and bridges were bombed, the shelling went on for three months. And then they run out of targets that could be qualified as dual-use facilities. There was another dictator, Saddam Hussein, who was hanged after the invasion. We know how this invasion was justified. Since that, I think Tony Blair was the only one to repent publicly admitting that it had been a fake, all the grounds for the Iraq invasion. There was another when Muammar Gaddafi had been said that there was no place for this dictator in his country. It was said that democracy would prevail, but we know full well what is happening in Libya right now. The Libyan state is all but non-existent. Our president talked about that yesterday with the Italian president. Right now we're trying to restore the Libyan statehood through the process of national reconciliation. We're trying to put an end to the situation in which this country turned into a channel of human trafficking. As your media reported today, incidentally, there are other examples, not so recent, the president of Sudan, Omar al-Bashir, there has been a warrant for his arrest issued by the International Criminal Court, and several days later, the Obama administration decided that in order to settle this problem, Sudan had to be split into two parts. South Sudan was established, and the Obama administration tried to help them secure Amar al-Bashir's agreement to splitting up President Bashir 
held his end of the bargain. He cooperated. Sudan was split into two parts in accordance with the Obama administration's plan. And right now, Washington and then Washington insisted that sanctions should be introduced against the country they helped create. So this fixation on trying to oust this or that dictator, an authoritarian or totalitarian leader, is well known to us, and we know how it ends. A successful of a dictator is for me very hard to remember. If you have any examples, I'd be glad if you could share them with me. On Syria, as our president has stated on many occasions, we are not trying to put ourselves on anyone or on Bashar al-Assad or anyone else as they do in Libya right now. We want them to sit at one negotiating table. As the UN Security Council resolution states, they have all to gather together. This has to be an inclusion dialogue. And as the UN Security Council resolution states, the future of Syria has to be determined by the Syrians themselves, without any exemptions. The most important thing is not to eliminate a political leader from the chessboard, so to speak, but to agree on how the country is going to be built. It has to be democratic, it has to be secular, which is something the High Negotiations Committee speaks against. All ethnic and religious groups have to feel safe, have to feel represented at government agencies, and only if such a consensus is achieved, which has to be done through elaborating Will the issues related to certain personalities be settled very efficiently without any tragic consequences either for the country or for the people? Thank you. Commissant newspaper, please. Your question. Thank you, Yelena Chernyanka, Commissant Newspaper. I've got a question to you, Secretary Tillerson. Have you talked today about the alleged interference of Russia into the American election? In what way do you think Russia's actions are different from the American actions in cyber security? In accordance with what the American media say, we know that the Iranian nuclear program was compromised by American-created Stuxnet virus right now. The U.S. is trying to prevent the North Korea from happening using the same means. And another question to both ministers. A working group has been set up. Are you talking about resuming the work of the Bilateral Presidential Commission? Do you plan to do that? Thank you. We touched only briefly on the issue of cybersecurity and in particular on the challenges that it is uh, placing on everyone in terms of a new threat, an emerging threat. But I think I do make a distinction uh, when cyber tools are used to interfere with the internal decisions among countries as to how their elections are conducted. Uh, that is one use of cyber tools. Cyber tools to disrupt uh, weapons programs, that's another use of the tools. And I make a distinction between those two. Clearly, this is an issue that has emerged in our time, for which we have yet, as an international community, come to some conclusion around how we want to respond to that. And so there will be further discussions, and it is on the agenda, and it is in the agenda that Foreign Minister Lavrov passed to me for us to have further discussions uh, in the future. I can only confirm that we are both interested in close cooperation on fighting cybercrime. You have probably heard, we said that on many occasions, 18 months ago in October 2015, we proposed to the Obama administration, given 
называемых российских хакеров, которые And also contacts at the level of relevant authorities. We feel that this time the result of these efforts might be different, leading to the establishment of new channels of communication and cooperation. And what is your second question? The bilateral presidential commission. No, we have not yet touched upon this matter. It has been buried, so to speak. Maybe it might be resuscitated. Проблемных вопросов двусторонних отношений. To look into how we can overcome these difficulties that exist. Richardson, Fox News Channel. Thank you. Secretary Tillerson, did you discuss today with President Putin or Foreign Minister Lavrov sanctions or other concessions that the United States might make in exchange for a change in behavior from the Russian government? And also, uh, speaking about what you just answered previously, uh, did you present to President Putin or the Foreign Minister specific evidence the Russian government interfered in the U.S. election? And to Foreign Minister Lavrov, if an independent investigation finds the Assad government attacked his own people with chemical weapons, what will Russia do? Uh, President Putin says there's an effort to blame Assad and plant evidence. Did you present that evidence to Secretary Tillerson today? And would Russia refuse to consider to agree to any circumstance that results in the ousting of Bashar al-Assad? We discussed no change in the status of sanctions that have been in place uh, with Russia as a result of uh, certain actions taken in Ukraine, as you know. I think as to uh, the question of the interference with the election, that is fairly well established in the United States, and I think that has been spoken to uh, on the Hill as well with the Congress, and it is a serious issue. It's one that we know is uh, serious enough to attract additional sanctions. And so we are, we are mindful of, uh, of the seriousness of that particular interference in our elections, uh, and I'm sure that Russia is mindful of it as well. Well, State Secretary hasn't threatened to use new sanctions. He hasn't threatened us at all. We have had a frank discussion about the issues on our agenda. And Unfortunately, we've got some difficulties with regards to the majority of those issues. Now, as for 
The principle of innocent until proven guilty has to be respected. Today, we send an appeal to the Hague to conduct an unbiased, transparent investigation. But should there be attempts at dragging on this investigation, we'll have to make the necessary conclusions. Now, as for the allegations that the U.S. government has irrefutable proof that we interfered with the electoral campaign, I have to say once again that we have not seen any facts, even hints at facts. We have not seen any evidence. No one has shown us any evidence, even though we have requested on many occasions that this evidence has to be produced to us to support the allegations, the accusations we hear do understand that there are many people who want to undermine our relations to pursue their internal or external political interests. These are just games with evil ends. We want to hear concrete proof and then we'll respond accordingly. Thank you. Rhea Novosti, please. Good evening, Rhea Novosti, Agency, Palina Chernisova, question to both ministers. The U.S. has sent a strike group with an aircraft carrier, Kurt Benson. Has this issue been raised during the talks? And what are the risks that step might entail for the region? And a question for Secretary Tillerson. If this group has been sent to the Korean Peninsula, does this signify that the U.S has some plans for military intervention in North Korea. Thank you. Uh, the Carl Vinson uh, strike group is routinely in the Pacific uh, Ocean. It's in the Pacific Theater. And its movements uh, in the Pacific uh, are made in a way that's planned by the military planners. There is no particular objective in its current course. Uh, the Benson sails up and down the Pacific routinely, and so I would not read anything into the Carl Vincent's current locations. The only thing I can say is that, among other issues, we have discussed the situation in the Korean Peninsula as well as around it, as far as I understand. Given all the nuances, we still have a common determination to resolve this issue through peaceful means to achieve the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula through diplomatic talks. There are certain efforts undertaken by the participants of what used to be called the six-party talks. We also have ideas of our own, just as our Chinese counterparts do. We believe that we've got to rally around the cause of finding peaceful solution to this issue. And the last question from American side. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Secretary, uh, before these meetings, you said you believed Russia was uh, either uh, incompetent or complicit in these chemical weapons attacks. After your extensive meeting with both Vladimir Putin and Sergei Lavrov, do you know which one that is and what concrete thing can be done to rebuild that lack of trust? Uh, and Minister Lavrov, if I could indulge you to answer in English, if you would, sir. Um, President Trump has called Bashar al-Assad an animal. This is the leader your government continues to back. Can you tell us uh, how long Russia will be willing to risk the lives of its soldiers and spend its money to protect him? With respect to uh, Russia's complicity or knowledge of the chemical weapons attack, uh, we have no uh, firm information to indicate that there was. Uh, any involvement by Russian, Russian forces uh, into this attack. Uh, what we do know, and we have very firm and high confidence in our conclusions that the attack was planned, carried out by the regime forces at, at the direction of Bashar al-Assad. I can only say once again that just as in the case with the so-called Russian hackers and the chemical incidents in Syria, we would very much like to get some concrete evidence, not just words. So far, we have not seen any facts. And let me highlight once again in Syria, we are acting at the request of the legitimate government of the country which is a member of the United Nations. This country is under no sanctions of the UN Security Council. We are acting there in order to fight terrorism. And it is in our interest to prevent Damascus from being engulfed by ISIS and on Nasrallah Front. If you look at the facts, over the last 18 months, the coalition set up by the Obama administration did almost nothing to achieve the objective that it had stated when being established. It had not fought consistently against the Al Nusra Front or ISIS until the Russian airspace forces were deployed in Syria. And after this deployment of our forces, the US-led coalition under the Obama administration only performed strikes against certain posts held by ISIS, and it was always sparing the Al-Nusra front, and we've got some suspicions. We think that the Al-Nusra front is still chaperoned and spared to resort to Plan B to overthrow the Assad regime with force. We know how this is going to end because we saw similar situations in Libya and Iraq. And we do hope that the people will prevail who know how to learn from history. Now, as for who is responsible for the crimes committed in Syria, we've got to look into that. But as one American counterpart said, there will be time for everything. We've got to set priorities. And recently, we've heard new priorities from Washington saying that ISIS is priority number one. And as Mr. Spicer has said, we have the resources to defeat ISIS without doing anything to the Assad regime. This is the same thing John Kerry had told me. The US administration, he said, was convinced that ISIS was a more serious threat and a more important objective than the Assad regime. So I think we think along the same lines. We have to see the common threats, the apparent. And if we are to fight ISIS, if we are to emerge victorious from this fight without ousting the regime, 
не то, что не победить ИГИЛ, а проиграть ИГИЛ. Так что все-таки Thank you.